0: 1974 a group of teenagers lost on the back roads of Texas found themselves in a nightmare of unimaginable horror was it the Texas golf club massacre was it the Texas drill bit massacre no this is about the Texas chainsaw massacre Welcome to episode 102 of The Horror Section with your hosts, Casey Campbell and Michael Anderson. I usually say Michael Anderson at that I point. I know, there. but I felt it was more in tone with the, with the creepy voice I had. Okay, good, because it's only episode so two, we'll lo- so we should probably find a theme. We probably should, <laughs> but listen how it sounds, though, like if I do this, starring Casey Campbell and Michael Anderson. Doesn't work. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so dark and then like you're just so, even when you sound try to sound evil, it sounds so positive. It's just yeah. like, hey everybody, I'm gonna kill you with a chainsaw. I can't help it, I am positive. Welcome everybody to episode two of the horror section. The very first episode where we will actually be discussing and dissecting one of uh, Mike's greatest fears in life, <laughs> watching an actual horror film. This particular movie easily was on my top five like reasons I didn't even enter the horror section in general. But I watched it. Quick disclaimer, though. Last week when we watched this movie, it was middle of the day, like <laughs> 1 or 2 p.m. I thought you were going to hold my secret forever. No, no, I'm going to bring it up here. Of course I'm going to bring it up here. It was 1 or 2 in the afternoon, and Mike was still hesitant about watching it. In the middle of the day, we didn't even have, like, the blinds closed. Like, the window was open. You heard the mailman walk by. There's, like... <laughs> dogs being walked and barking down the street. <laughs> hey, if it wasn't for that,
1: I would never have watched it. So, we're gonna ease into this. I think everybody is fully aware that, like, my fear is real. So, uh, yeah, there's no no pretend here. Uh, I actually think we've delayed
0: this podcast start, like, three months because of my excuses, so. Yeah, we actually wanted to start recording this, I think, back in August, and it was just about Mike not being sure about the movies we were gonna watch. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, maybe so... we should explore the family but, but it's a great time to watch horror movies now, because we are right hmm. now. We're in October, yeah. and October is easily. I love October because it's the start of fall. It's the start of the holiday season. Like I think it kicks off with a bang. Like yeah. I know personally, Mike, that you have said to me multiple times, my favorite that your holiday. favorite holiday is not Halloween, not Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving, but one day in particular. What day is that, Mike? October first. Now I know people
1: do not nationally recognize it, but I want it to be nationally recognized because it is the Ultimate beginning of the holiday season. So, everything to come, the food gets better, the TV gets better, the movies get better, the smell of the air gets better. I, I was just at the gym actually, and they were playing the Ghostbusters
0: theme. <laughs> 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 Ray Parker <laughs> Jr. Yeah,
1: and uh, I looked around and everybody like kind of frowned like, "What the hell? Like this is not gym music. Where's the Metallica?" And I
0: was like, the only one like, "Wait, wait, wait! Did you just call Metallica Metallica? Metallica, Me- Metallica. I am now only gonna call Metallica Metallica. Also, I don't know what gym you were going to that regularly <laughs> plays just That's- Metallica." Well, you know, hardcore gym. It's like, look, we're not playing that club techno crap. We're riding the lightning today. <laughs> we're gonna. We're and gonna then sh- next up is Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. This I is l- the best gym ever. I gotta start going to this gym. I looked this up, music taste. Sounds amazing. What I looked that? over the person I was with, and he was just like, "What the
1: hell is this?" And I was like, "This is October 1st." So, what's your favorite thing about October, case? Because this is kind of, I guarantee, our fans. I bet ninety percent of them. Our listeners right now, I assumed fan- I would say 100% I, are I, listeners I, right no, now. No, no, I, but I,
0: I assume Unless someone's describing this later to them or writing I, it out in, you know... Yeah. But I
1: said fans, and I made the presumption that those who are listening are not only just listeners, but they're fans. So, so thank you for your fandom. But I'm sure 90% of them
0: are October fans. I, I guarantee it. I would hope so. And I sure, and Mike and I are mm-hmm. both obviously based in Los Angeles. So I don't think we're getting all of that fall awesomeness that a lot of people in the Midwest are getting or, you know, out east. Mm-hmm. So, however, you live in Burbank.
1: Funny side story is. Uh, On the movie tours in Burbank, they planted trees that would seasonally change every like four months, even though there's no seasons, just so we would have color so that they could shoot a fall scene in like April. Here in the city. Here in jammin? the city. Yeah, yeah. Up and it's down. It's not the like street. just on the Warner Brothers. No, library? no, no. All around, they were wow. planting them so that they could. I didn't
0: notice that. Yeah, so that they could change color. That's why you'll see random color well, change. As the you year. know, I mean, we're a stone's throw away in Burbank from Pasadena, which of course is Haddonfield, Illinois, in Halloween. That's Ooh. where Carpenter shot. I did not know that. Halloween. Yeah, it's right over in Pasadena. And the Michael Myers house is still there, and you can see a lot of the filming locations. Oh, yeah. And it's. Um, so now, yeah, So now does, I'm crossing Pasadena off my list. Yeah. <laughs> of never visiting <laughs> never Pes- visiting, never never there visiting again. Pasadena every now and then I'll see a dead leave on the ground here and I'll get super excited but then I'll go back to the midwest or the east coast and see real fall and it's like this yeah. is crazy but I mean you know we, we try to do as much as we can of the regular fall stuff like you know um, we try to go to a pumpkin patch or we try to do Apple cider, and, mm-hmm. you know, and all that stuff, and we get some trick or treaters here on Halloween, which is always fun. We always buy way too much candy. Yeah, so we don't. The kids. We're always the family who's running out
1: and just like holding the children in a pen and just being like, "Wait, we will get more." We underestimated that how many, how popular our neighborhood is.
0: Well, so you guys have a ton. That's we have right. a ton. We never have that many, so we always get a big bag of candy. So if there's any kids that want a bunch of candy, come to <laughs> yeah. our house on Halloween because every kid gets just like. Two handfuls. Yeah. Like, two of my handfuls. I'm a big guy. All yeah. right, should we get into uh, what we saw Yeah, this let's week? go back to a simpler time. A time when you would visit the horror section and rent a delightful horror film. Uh, not a delightful. VHS.
1: I never say delightful. I say delightful. I
0: was uh, pet- so petrified. This week, I got Mike to watch... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm
1: not going to lie, you know, when I was writing my notes down, I, I think I, I literally wrote the word mascara like 50 times. And my wife even was like looking at my notes and saw the word mascara. And uh, and it totally reminded her that I needed to buy mascara. So thanks, Texas Chainsaw Mascara. You uh, you got me an errand.
0: <laughs> I think you've actually come up with a whole really cool new line of stuff. Though. <laughs> yeah, actually, like, there could right. be a horror <laughs> line of like beauty products for Halloween. Oh, Texas Chainsaw Mascara, Nightmare on Elm Streak. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. But honestly, I, I actually was super happy that this was the first movie that Mike chose because um, it was kind of like being 12 again. I got to see the movie again for the first time through new eyes. And So when
1: did you see this movie for the first time? Because my guess with you, you saw it on like coming off the bus in kindergarten.
0: My mom brought out my aunts on a log. <laughs> yeah. I just had a nap.
1: And
0: we Could you cut the crusts off with the chainsaw? <laughs> Popped in Texas Chainsaw. No, honestly, when did you? That's how first, I learned colors. When did you first see this movie? Because uh, it would have been twelve or thirteen. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, I saw it when I was twelve or thirteen, and you were
1: not permanently scarred, or maybe this is no, why you're dude. so. Dude, I mean, scarred. it was
0: it was. You know, I, I think here's the thing: is that <laughs> I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time back when I was thirteen. Um, I had just moved to Iowa from Nebraska, and during that time, I remember going back every summer. Oh my goodness,
1: you probably took rural roads to get there <laughs> yeah. back then.
0: It, it, when I watched that movie, I'm just like, oh, home. Yeah. <laughs> um, No, but I would go back to Nebraska to see a good friend of mine. We watched it on VHS, Mm -hmm. and I loved it, man. I thought it was it was scary. Would you like go in the
1: dark and watch this? You you would probably you You were probably the person who would like amplify the situation.
0: I think we, you know, most of the time we probably watched it in uh, in in Mark's basement or basements are terrifying. L. A. doesn't have any basements. That's right. That's right.
1: Literally, just going down to get your ski boots in the winter. In a basement was, uh, I mean, just think of a person like me. Fifty percent of my house was off
0: limits because it was too scary. <laughs> I mean, it, it goes back to it goes back to Home Alone. Kevin is just terrified of the basement, and that's a yeah. real fear that most Midwest kids had. Yeah. But we watched it. I loved it. I thought it was fun. I remember buying the poster shortly after and had the. You poster bought the on my poster. World. I had the poster.
1: Oh man, you are the perfect host for this and I am I wish I would have known this before I started this <laughs> because I entered a danger zone here.
0: This is the first movie we chose because I said Mike do a Google search of horror movies and choose the cover art that scares you the most and that'll be the movie we watch first. So what jumped out at you about the cover art for Texas Chainsaw? Oh, I, where where not to start. <laughs> like there is a man wearing human
1: skin on his face, a giant behemoth of a man wielding a chainsaw with terrified person's eyes in the background. I mean, I would like to know from others like what their number one ranking of box art is. I would easily put this one as number one, number two, hands down. Well, it, not only it, that,
0: I mean, and then the uh, the 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 tagline or log line at the top says, who will survive, and what will be left of them. <laughs> exactly. You couldn't get more
1: of a clear-cut, no pun intended, like <laughs> like these people will be killed by this. Yeah. Now, we'll get into it, but I'm super curious because this box art was one of the most fantastic setups to like bring me into this, scaring me that this was going to be gory and people were going to die by the chainsaw. And I wondered, after I finished it, did anybody even die by the chainsaw? Yeah. Oh, really?
0: Oh, my did God, yes. Did I watch yes. the same movie? Yeah. Who died by the chainsaw? Franklin. Oh, who is Franklin? Franklin's the guy in the wheelchair.
1: Oh yeah, he got cut up.
0: Yeah, he got cut okay. up. Okay.
1: But no, everybody else didn't get killed by a chainsaw. Nope. They got killed by other things. That's right. So, not only was the box art interesting, but it was very misleading. So, I'm going to need my
0: money back, case. I think he used the chainsaw eventually. He, he killed them with either, you know, uh, a sledgehammer or a meat hook. Yeah, because most people got like hit by hammers. That's true. But then when he was disposing of the bodies, he used a chainsaw for efficiency. Ah. So it's really more so the Texas chainsaw- Lazy son of- Disposal <laughs> of bodies. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, anyway, so we'll get into that when we when we start getting into the movie, but the box art alone built this anticipation that I was in for a ride of a terrifying killing weapon and, and this man who you have to really look close when you're a kid to see that this is human skin, that this is not really his face.
0: I kind of threw you in the deep end here, Mike. With this movie i mean we didn't start with you know psycho or yeah anything or like, that. like we, we one started.
1: of those 1929 uh, vampire movies that's where i was praying we started no, no, instead no. you
0: know we went to 11 on this yeah
1: and you know what you threw me straight into the deep end and i actually am not that good of a swimmer i was one of those kids who failed the summer camp swim test in order to get your own canoe <laughs> and uh in fact I'm, I'm still a little mad at that because like the lifeguard had to save me and
0: she was a very cute girl. Wendy Peppercorn?
1: Yeah, but it wasn't like the movies. When you're drowning for real and the lifeguard saves you, it's not a meet-cute where, like, you look up and she's gorgeous. No, you're vomiting <laughs> lake water onto them, and you're just embarrassed as hell. But anyway, you threw me in the deep end with this movie, and uh, and I, I, can, I can hardly swim in real life, so. All right. Well, you
0: didn't vomit much when we watched it, so we were actually, we won at least in that realm. Yeah, just a little in my mouth. Okay, Mike, so we've we've avoided talking about the movie even now long enough.
1: Okay, Case, I got to go. Nope. Okay, no, see no, you later.
0: No, no I got a swim lesson. <laughs> I got a swim lesson. I got to drowned at. No, 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 we're getting into this. <laughs> all right, so the first movie we watched, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ma- Mascara. So, all right, for those of you who don't know at home, we'll give you a little brief Yeah, Case, synopsis. why don't you regale
1: the people, but hold on, we need to absolutely do this because this is important, otherwise someone's going to tweet us. W- warning, warning. Will, our studio engineer, I'm sure we will put in some Or I'll just use that We're going to talk about the movie We're going to talk about what happens, our perspective on it But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you have to turn us off No, 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 if you like spoilers, then jump <laughs> right in Even if you haven't seen this movie before I would say you can continue to listen Because one of the things that I always love doing Is I, I, I love knowing the
0: facts and things like that So basically, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre It's a 1974 American horror film directed by Toby Hooper. The film follows a group of friends who fall victim to a family of cannibals while on their way to visit an old homestead. It Starts out with there's been a series of grave robbings going on at this local cemetery in this small town in Texas and this group of friends uh, goes to the cemetery to see if the lead actress or the final girl of the movie, Sally Hardesty, if her grandfather's grave has been dug up. So Sally is along with her friends, Jerry, Kirk and Pam and her paraplegic brother, Franklin, who's in a wheelchair. And they're driving down the road, they pick up this weird hitchhiker and the hitchhiker is all crazy and creepy and they kick him out. And then, of course, you know, they run out of gas. And they go to this old house, and that's where the insanity begins. Ooh, spooky. So, honestly, as, but honestly, Mike, as I'm telling this plot, I'm realizing how basic and how yeah. bare bones this really is. But you got to remember that this movie came out in 1974. So, the whole idea of, like, kids in a van yeah. and it breaking down that was new in this. This wasn't any, this wasn't like, you know, a dime a dozen horror movies yeah. that you see a million different times. I think that's one of the things that caught me
1: the most is when we first started watching it, I I kind of sighed when I was like, oh, it's just, you know, a couple kids getting into a van and they're going to go. And I was like, why are you all getting in the van? And And then I realized, oh my goodness, is this the movie that we owe all of the the trope too—is this the first moment that the high schoolers
0: lead themselves straight into peril? Like, like what other movies would come before this? That- I think so. I think so, honestly, because you know the the one that really came out before this, Texas, because Ch- Texas Chainsaw predates Halloween, mm-hmm. predates Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. It even predates another one called Black Christmas, which came out in 1976, which actually John Carpenter says influenced him for Halloween. Uh-huh. So that's <laughs> really the first. They called movie. it Black Halloween. See? Yeah. Exactly. But Texas Chainsaw predates that by three years. And the only thing before Texas Chainsaw that came out was Psycho. And Psycho, honestly, even though, you know, uh, Norman Bates as Norma Bates is the killer, it's not really a slasher movie. It's still more of a thriller and kind yeah. of a mystery. This is a pure, this is pure horror. Yeah. <laughs> It was actually placed on a list in the UK in the late 70s, early 80s, called the Video Nasty List. And these were films that were banned in the UK, and a lot of the movies on the list are still banned. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of those video nasties. So So I have a
1: question, you think, because they were neighbors, the houses were neighbors, so this has been going on for a long time. Do you think, like, the dad knew? Like, oh, just don't go trick-or-treating over at the uh, at the
0: Leatherface's <laughs> don't house. Just, don't go over to the Johnson's house. <laughs> they have weird habits. Yeah, like. That is a good question because. Because it was only a couple of hundred yards away. What Mike is referencing is that, like, the kids go to see the old homestead, like, where their dad grew up. And it's literally, like, a field away yeah. from Leatherface's house. So that's a really good question of, like, I, my grandparents lived in a very rural area. Did you know your neighbors? But they, they did. They kind of did, but, like, there was also, like, well, I don't know who lives in that house. They're weird. (laughs) Like, that's no, that was the reaction. It's like, oh, I don't know nothing about them. They keep to themselves, and they're real weird. Leatherface. (laughs) He was later named that, but... Are you sure it's not on his birth certificate? Brian Leatherface. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The third. Like, but that's what you'd hear. And then as a kid, you're just like, all right, not going over there. Maybe they just, you know, didn't go over there when they were selling magazines or Girl (laughs) Scout cookies. So apparently, I mean, usually I feel like I am the number one horror movie trivia guy that at least I know, and I'm certainly that would, that Mike would know. But Mike brought me an interesting fact that Leatherface is allegedly based on a real person that Toby Hooper knew. Yeah, supposedly his doctor used to in medical school used to like carve up uh, his cadavers. I'm looking it up right now online, actually, yeah. Oh, Toby Hooper actually says here, the idea for Leatherface actually came from a doctor I knew. I remembered that he would once told me this story about how when he was a pre-med student, he was studying cadavers and then went into the morgue and skinned a cadaver and made a mask for Halloween. At that exact moment, Toby should have been like, well, uh, I'm going to get another doctor. Also, I love that that was like the doctor's bedside matter. Yeah, he yeah just let me decided, tell you like, a story. Yeah. Oh, I'm making a horror movie, huh? <laughs> Here, you should throw this in if you can. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to wear human skin for parties. Dude, but med school students, those guys are fucked up. Eh, a lot of late nights, you know? They see when a lot of... Well, honestly, it's a friend of mine is a doctor, and he said that, like, it's very... Because you're dealing with death on a day-to-day basis, he's like, you have to be so removed from it mm-hmm. that, like, there are things they're joking about. That's, that doesn't surprise me terribly, but it is pretty unsettling. It's unsettling. You know, a little fact
1: that I, when I was researching this movie, I learned that the director actually wanted this movie to be PG so it could be seen by more people. There was no such thing as PG 13 at that time.
0: No, no.
1: Red Dawn being the first movie that got PG 13 after Temple of Doom got panned for being PG. Yeah. So he wanted it to be PG. But I, literally from the cover art, I have
0: no idea how he thought this thing was going to be PG. <laughs> So. Well, and but actually you bring up a good point though, because I think you said, one of the things you said to me after watching this movie, you were like, I expected it to be a lot more blood. I thought there'd be chainsaws ripping through human beings with blood exploding
1: everywhere. And I was biting my hands when I first saw that guy cut his hand and blood comes out. I was like, this is it, crazy ass hitchhiker. That's the first blood we see. Be ready for that wall and the shining of blood to yeah, come out yeah, of the yeah, yeah. thing.
0: And in fact, there was like little to no blood in this whole movie. One of the things that surprised me about this movie, revisiting it, is so much of it happens in your own imagination. Nope. I think we're so desensitized by, you know, the saws and the, you I know. I never watched the movies. so all I'm the, like, not desensitized. 90, okay, well, <laughs> I'm desensitized <laughs> then. But, you know, every slasher movie from the 80s onward, I think relied very much on blood and guts. And so we're Texas only watching Chainsaw, 70s movies then. Hey, that's where the best stuff comes from. <laughs> I would argue the 70s had better horror than the 80s. Okay. That's another debate right there, too. Yeah. Um, but but what I'll say is that, you know, this this movie makes you use your imagination. You mentioned that moment early on where they pick up that crazy hitchhiker and, like, mm-hmm. he cuts his hand and then he, you know, cuts Franklin's arm. Yeah. That might be some of the only blood we see in the movie. I, Later I, on, obviously, Sally is being beat up by these guys. Yeah. And, like, I think she's kind of bleeding from cuts and bruises and things like mm-hmm. that. But, honestly, that blood you see early on, that might be the only blood you yeah. see. Because the it rest sets happens off camera. The rest is like, it's all, you know, when he hangs Pam on the meat hook, mm-hmm. you don't see it happen. No. You see Pam's face. Yep. You see, like, her legs twitching. Like, it's all very much playing on your own imagination. And I think people who have seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and were affected by it and like you know disturbed by it probably remember it differently than how they actually it, saw it. In
1: fact, just before this before this podcast I was telling a good friend he asked what movie are we did we watch? Mm-hmm. And I said Texas Chainsaw Massacre and he's like, "Oh, I can't watch that one. There's way too much blood." And I was like, "Well, Wrong. you got to you got to listen to our podcast yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was super pleasantly surprised to find out that there's little to no blood. Is it scary as hell? Absolutely. But on the scale of of gore, I'm gonna
0: give it a one. I yeah. mean, I'm gonna
1: give it a one. You
0: actually see more blood in Psycho than you do in Texas Chainsaw. Granted, yeah. it's black and white, but you see the blood in the shower, you see it, you know, washing down the drain. Mm-hmm. In this, like, there's there's violence for sure. Like, yeah, no, I'm people not gonna, dying. I'm, oh, yeah, there's people dying, there's people being chopped up, but it's all in your imagination. Yeah. Like, Toby Hooper. I don't think gets enough credit as being a really amazing, stylish director here. One of the things I was really struck by watching this again because it was the first time I watched it. um, I bought it on Blu-ray, but I hadn't watched it yet. So we were watching it in Blu-ray, 4K. Mm -hmm. Everything was super cleaned up. Everything was looking gorgeous. The sound was Mm -hmm. amazing. But a lot of the shots that they did, I was really surprised by how good the shots look. There is one moment in the movie that I've seen over and over and over again, and you'll remember it. It's really the first time we see Leatherface. It's when um, I believe it's Jerry or Kirk, I can't remember which one, one of the two guys, the, not Franklin, when he walks into the house and there's that kind of long hallway and he walks by the stairway and. He just kind of slowly walks in because he almost hears like pig sounds in the back and he's wondering like well, what's going on here and he walks back and he walks back and then he kind of trips and as he trips you see someone step from behind the door and then he looks up and for the first time the camera looks up too and you see leatherface for the first time well, yeah and, this and he I raises was... that meat hammer and then just smashes jerry or kirk whoever it is on the head and it's that scene where like i always try to guess when Leatherface is coming out of that door and I still haven't figured out the timing for it. It's like that moment in Jaws when Richard Dreyfuss is down uh, looking at that boat that sunk and they're trying to find that sailor Mm -hmm. and the head pops out. I still can't figure out the timing on that. That moment and then this moment in Texas Chainsaw are two of the movie moments that I can't figure out the timing on and how they timed those out right. It built the tension up. I mean, I had tension for 38 years of my life coming into this so
1: so there was there was quite a release but no i have to admit like daniel pearl cinematography is impressive no matter if you love horror or if you love movies in general hats off to pearl because it was amazing
0: you actually see there is some craft behind this so between the acting between the directing all these guys toby hooper and the and kim Hankel and daniel pearl like they were all students at uh UT down there in Austin, um, you know, kind of the the first pioneers of kind of the Austin film movement, which mm-hmm. would later be, you know, Richard Linklater and Robert Rodriguez. So, like, they were kind of the pioneers of that. And, you know, Toby Hooper had an amazing career after this. Toby Hooper did Poltergeist. Yeah, and there's I'm sure a big... that's on our list because I couldn't watch that as a kid either. Oh, Poltergeist will watch. And I there's... couldn't even watch my own TV after seeing that. There's that, actually that a ad. big debate between, um, on Poltergeist that Spielberg actually directed the most of it mm-hmm. and Toby Hooper didn't do much of it, but after watching Texas Chainsaw, I totally believe that Toby Hooper had control of that scene. Yeah, set. this guy is a true artist, girl. This was amazing. Yeah. So are there any other things about the movie that I that we haven't covered? Or was there anything else that grabbed you about this movie? You know, on that note of that that first hammer hit, mm-hmm. I was thinking, was
1: there any false scares? I feel like movies nowadays are loaded with false scares, like, oh, oh like, it's a cat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there was nothing in there. I felt like Where this movie. You're like movie, footsteps in the hallway and then it's like, it's the mailman. Yeah, yeah, I felt like this movie, I felt like Texas Chainsaw Massacre was incredibly efficient in its storytelling. It was like, you're dead. You walk in, you dead. Hey, what are you doing over here? You're on a hook. You know, like yeah, immediately yeah, I, I, there was no false
0: scare. That's I can't a good remember. point because I feel like the false scare element that you're bringing up yeah. is something that probably didn't come about in horror films till maybe the mid to late '80s. Because mm-hmm. I feel like in a lot of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, there are those moments where it's like the false scare, yeah, the all, cat, all movies, and it's that... always some really like heightened, almost like stock comedy character. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, hang on before Jason kills people. We got to see you know the the old owner of the roadhouse getting a <laughs> exactly. Lotzie here exactly. for a second. What's and a Lotzi? Lotzi's like an old just like a comic routine. Oh, a okay. comedy routine. I thought it was a, like I thought com- it was a soda. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Lotzie, brought to you by Committee <laughs> del Arte brand soda.
1: Um, but I think that's what heightened why I was like on the edge of my seat is because once I learned that when they turn a corner, you're dead. I was like don't turn any corners. Just stand where you are because there's no false scares. I didn't know who was going to make it through as the poster said like who's gonna live and who's gonna get chopped up into a thousand pieces. I didn't know who to root for. So every character I liked, I thought the wheelchair guy
0: was gonna make it. Especially modern ones, 80s till present day. There's moments of relief and release yes, in a horror movie. that's a good point. You have a chance to breathe. You have a chance to, like like you were saying, there was those false scares, like when a cat jumps up, we're like, oh, it's a cat. Yeah, my heart goes and back down. you kind of, you laugh and to you, 163 know. beats, because <laughs> right. it's at 205. Right. But you have those moments of relief. Even recently as Get Out, there are moments of comedy in there. Yeah. There are moments of like, it's absurd comedy, but you know, even like when Bradley Whitford is like, you know, if I had voted for Obama if I could, you get a laugh yeah. in there. You, yeah. know, you get moments of comedy. And it's Jordan Peele, so there's going to be humor. Texas Chainsaw. It just started. It's and just, just relentless, like, man. Like, there is no moment. Even in The Conjuring, there's moments of like, oh, okay, I get to laugh. Paranormal Activity, like, that's just a fun house. So, like, when you get Mm. scared and everybody screams, everybody (laughs) kind of turns to, well, I remember seeing Paranormal Activity with a completely packed house of teenagers. Yeah. And it was the quietest I've ever seen a movie. But then when something would happen, like, and it was something stupid of, like, a cup would drop or, like, Mm. a cabinet would open. Everyone would just, like, scream, yeah. and then laugh and look at each other. It's like, oh my God, wasn't that fun? I wonder what the next scare is gonna be. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw doesn't have that at all.
1: I I feel like it was allegorical that they were all sitting with no seatbelts. It's like, they were trying to hint, like you should be buckled up
0: because this shit is not stopping. Yeah, they're setting it up very ominously. There's the drunk guy at the graveyard who's like, I seen things. Yeah, They, did they did a don't good listen job of to just... me because I'm an old man, but I seen things. That's scary. Yeah. And then they're on the road with the hitchhiker. And then they stop at this um, gas station slash barbecue joint which mm-hmm. you find out later is owned by the father of yeah. the crazy family. Spoiler. Even he tells them, "Why don't you stick around until you get gas so you can get the hell out of here?" Yeah, like he one didn't of the eat villains them. gives them a chance to be like, "You know what? Get out of here." Yeah, very and kind then, of him. And honestly, too, at the end, you kind of like he didn't want to kill these kids, but his weird leather-faced son did, and he's like, "Well, shit, we're too deep now. I got to kill everybody." Yeah, I feel like he's actually that that that. Ch- Like,
1: don't they always say, like, baldness skips a generation? It goes grandpa and then grandson. Like, I feel like that clearly is the same with killers because grandpa was clearly an insane guy and then it skipped him. The dad got kind of caught in the middle and you're right. It seemed like he was like, I don't want to be killing you guys, but family is family. He
0: just wanted to dance. He just wanted to dance and make barbecue. He wanted to go on the road and make barbecue. Yeah. No, that's such a good point, because even later on in the scene where they're about to kill Sally... He's like, I just can't get no joy out of killing. Yeah. Like he's so, he's clearly messed up because he's like giggling yeah, and laughing that, on the that torture. Yeah, poking,
1: that poking of the
0: broomstick I felt actually was very
1: conflicted because it was one of the most horrific scenes I've ever seen.
0: It was like a nervous but, tick almost. Yeah, it was like a nervous
1: tick. It was almost like he was trying to fit in but couldn't quite fit in to his family. Right. And, and he was conflicted about it. It just seemed, it, it seemed so intense. And this is where I was going about the woman or man. I felt like it could have been a man or a woman in that bag and he would have been doing the same thing, the poking of the stick, because there was nothing sexual or in, intense about it that he was using language-wise. That I felt is, like very equal opportunity. We eat men, we eat women, we eat old, we eat young.
0: Yeah, that—that that is actually... That's a really good point that there's not in this film I don't I don't feel like the females are sexualized in any manner mm-hmm. like no. they're not looked upon as objects like it's I I wouldn't go as far as to say that this is a feminist No film, me either
1: and and guarantee but, the
0: next couple of films we
1: watch it'll be like I apologize women for the uh, actions of the past and you <laughs> yeah. know like absolutely but I'm just saying in particular I thought oh here we go 1970s horror movie we're going to be super sexist, we're going to be exploitive, and all this stuff. And in fact, I thought this movie was very equal opportunity and it's killing. I thought that he just killed everybody. He didn't. It's ask. all it's
0: all based in character. Like yeah. it's I mean these are not based in like they're just doing horrendous shit just to a just particular for the sake sex. Of doing it. Like like Jack the Ripper clearly hated women, but this character just Hates mankind, or is just hungry for mankind. Just doing a job. Honestly, yeah. he's just doing what. Because once you you find out that like it's a family of cannibals, and basically the Leatherface, he's the butcher of the family. Yeah, and then the dad is the cook, and then like this other brother, I don't know what the hell he does, but he's yeah. just a weirdo. He's probably the black sheep, the black sheep of the black sheep family. Yeah, but which is really a dark sheep. Oh, the darkest of all dark <laughs> yeah. sheep. Yeah, I think the other thing that really stands out about this movie to me, and going back to it, is that everybody in this movie doesn't look like a movie star. They all look very real. Like, where do you find actors like this? Clearly they're all actors, but you're like, how did they find actors to like pull this off? It's so, that scene at the end where they're like having this really just sadistic dinner and Sally's there and she's tied to the chair and they're all like laughing at her and torturing her. It is still one of the most unsettling moments in horror film history. Yeah, Because it just seems real. These people look real. This looks like it's really happening. I was like, "Get me out of this!"
1: And you could just feel the discomfort coming. And and I think I asked Casey for you to turn up the air conditioning at that moment because I I just wanted to drown out the sound. But I also just I could feel hot while I watched it, and oh, and I could just feel that rotting meat and everything like that. Right. You know, I did hear. This is my one of my critiques, and this is like where it gets into like urban lore. And I I hope it's lore, but I, I I feel like it's been validated. Is that I heard that they actually cut her finger with a real knife because after, like, 20 takes, the fake knife wasn't working. So the actor, like, cut her real finger and mm. there was real blood. And that that's where I'm going to step in and say, like, that's the sort of stuff I don't tolerate is, like... Yeah. Like, I actually had a professor back in film school who we're going to watch some of his stuff. He's got one or two of the biggest, like, scary movies out there. Okay. And he would always be bragging about, like, how he would... Do this with an actress or do that with an actor or or make something a little dangerous because it heightened the thing. And, right, right. and now is why we as filmmakers have so many rules is because sometimes these renegades would get a little too renegade. So although I love, love the scene, if that's actually true, that... He switched out the knife to be a real knife to like cut it because they just wanted to get yeah. moving. I-, I don't stand for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's it's a, this movie is certainly a product of its time. And these are all like, you know, they were all college students making this thing. Mm-hmm. So it was really cheap. It was on the fly. Like, no, she said, You can cut me. That's a different story.
1: But if he just, I don't the know. Story that's, goes, yeah, that's... As the story goes, it w- the prop knife
0: wasn't working, wasn't working. So he used a real knife and, and just to move it along. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, the reactions are so genuine from everybody in this movie, especially Marilyn Chambers, who plays um, Sally Hardesty, that I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me that they're like, you know, put in a real knife, you know, and try that just to get that reaction. But this, again, this was the '70s. I mean, this is not an excuse. Yeah, I, I don't excuse it or I don't, um, I don't condone this. You know, there are some black eyes that you're, you know, bringing up here, and that's that's a good point. Yeah. What about you, Case? Like, what is the
1: moment of this film that's, like, emblematic of horror that, like, it doesn't need to be gory or whatever that
0: really, really caught you? You've at least heard of this, the term in horror films of the final girl. Yes. The final girl, whether it's, you know, um, Laurie Strode in Halloween, whether it's the girl in The First Friday the 13th, The Name Escapes Me. But honestly, Sally Hardesty in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I would almost argue, is the very first appearance of the final girl trope found mm-hmm. in horror movies which are so common today.
1: yeah well why don't you tell me so i can root for somebody in the upcoming movies who the final <laughs> girl is that would make my viewing much easier i'm not
0: gonna get <laughs> yeah because
1: because
0: i couldn't pick out who was gonna end all right well i'll give you some of the hit chances are it's usually the girl that's a virgin yeah it's usually the girl who like doesn't want to go to the party and she's making fun of all the other people the girl who like shows up with the sixer and has a boyfriend with a van. Dead. Usually not the final girl. (laughs) Okay, okay. Promiscuous teens always equal death. A lot of these rules, you know, that they made fun of in Scream. So Mike, on a scare scale of watching it through my fingers, or running out of the house as soon as I hit play, where does this movie fall?
1: That's a good scale. I think it started as an absolute 10 from the box art, where I was like, be ready for, Human cavities to be exploding in guts and gore to ending in actually like a, a, a one or a two on the, on the gore scale. And then on the scare scale, I think it just went all the way through. Like I was saying, with the lack of false jump scares, right. it really got me, held me, it buckled me in and just went. So I would give it like a, an eight for going all the way through on scares just consistently.
0: It's a good film. It's a
1: good film it's a good and film. I think
0: we we started off with a really all-around movie of like it you know it it has a reputation of being far more violent than it actually is. Yeah. It has a reputation of not being as good of a film as it is, but it's actually really it's stylized like you said Daniel Pearl cinematography, Toby Hooper's direction, the acting, all that stuff. But it also, you know, is a great film. I mean, this is in the National Registry of Historic Films. This is in that collection, and I think rightfully so. And I am so glad that Texas Chainsaw was our first movie. I really conquered one of my greatest fears here. We talked about being scared of (gasps) death. And to me, there's no greater meditation on death and the fear of the dead, unless there's a bunch of dead people (laughs) trying to break into your house. So the next movie we're going to be watching is (sighs) George Romero's 1968 classic, Night of the Living Dead. Oh no, thank you. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's what we're gonna watch. Yep. next. Which I'm actually, it'll be interesting because this is uh this that came out earlier than Texas Chainsaw. Oh yeah, we'll see. So what we're trying to jump all have. over yeah. the timeline here. Yeah, and that
1: one's black and white, right? Black and white. So hopefully, Turner Ted Turner can just colorize it all.
0: There actually is a colorization. Oh yeah, we're from not Ted gonna, Turner. We're not. Yeah, probably <laughs> Ted Turner did.
1: <laughs> he really gave to the world
0: when he colored all the old classics. Yeah, I needed to see every bad wardrobe choice in Wonderful Life. Exactly. Okay, so why don't we uh, why don't we wrap up here and, and uh, let's see if I can survive or if I'm going to be the Walking Dead. I think that's a good idea. We want to say thank you guys for listening. This um, we're going to have some more episodes coming out very soon. With some so special guests coming. Some up. special guests, possibly some interviews with some uh, cool directors, actors, writers, horror fans such as ourselves. Please feel free to find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. And uh, because we're in the throes of October, we Mm -hmm. thought we'd end the podcast with a little um, spooky recommendations from Mike and myself. Mike, do you have any fun October recommendations for anybody, whether it's a movie or an event? or a book, or anything like that? You know what I'm actually most excited for in my recommendation is going back and watching the Home Improvement Halloween episodes episodes on
1: YouTube. That's, like, one of my most favorite things to do is, like, pop some popcorn and watch those because that was, like, emblematic of my childhood and, like, just the amount of
0: fear that I could (laughs) do. But I still had nightmares even from that. Um, Some spooky books to read if you're looking to, um, you know, creep yourself out at night before you go to bed or something just... Really good to read. Um, There's a couple books. Um, One I would recommend is called Hex by Thomas Old Heuvelt. Heuvelt? I don't know. He's a a Dutch author, so I'm probably butchering his last name, and I apologize for that. But I am singing the praises of your book. It's a book about a town that has been cursed by a witch. (laughs) It takes place in present day, and it's very interesting to see kind of how the idea of a town that deals with witchcraft and the curses of witchcraft handles it in modern day. So I would highly recommend that. Again, that is Hex by Thomas Old. (laughs) Once again, I'm Casey Campbell. And I'm Michael Anderson. Keep it spooky.